Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. The Mighty Murph alongside me once again, putting in that mammoth Herculean shift as he does. Week in, week out. Oh, we we gave you a little gave you a little um rest last week, didn't I? I'm starting to feel a bit fucking Cinderella, to be honest. Gatlin comes on, <laughs> and I'm surplus. <laughs> well, to be to be fair to Killick, he's the he's the one who bought um he's the one who bought broke the deal, did he? <laughs> broke he broke the deal. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he only he only deals in uh in big money big money moves, doesn't he, Killick? So uh, whether it's selling houses or uh, or securing guests for uh, for the podcast. Uh, that's I mean, I mean that, that is a coup, that is. Not bad, not bad, eh? Yeah, yeah, and a great interview as well, I enjoyed. Good, thank you. Yeah, if uh, if any of you listeners have not managed to catch up on the Warren Gatland interview, we, myself and Dan, had a chat with him last week, and yeah, really, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I really enjoyed doing it, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully those of you who have listened to it enjoyed it as much as Murph did. And, and yeah, well, I think, honestly, now, I think it's the most relaxed I've viewed him in an interview. There's normally, you know, pre-match, post-match, whatever, uh, squad reaction, whatever, kind of pressure, 15-plus journalists asking questions one after the other. It's normally when I see uh, here Gatlin being interviewed, you know, so to have a sort of informal uh, one-on-one kind of thing, that's honestly, I've never heard him so relaxed. And uh, I, I mean, I, I dare say people who've been to... Uh, um, dinners where he's speaking and you know where he's special on special guests and all that i might have seen him more candid i expect but um yeah it was quite i've no, I, honestly he's normally got his game face on haven't he for interviews let's be honest yeah and I, I did worry for a minute when we first you know he's doing that at like nine o'clock on a sunday night his time and i'm mm. sat there mucking about with a microphone you know like i'm messing around with cables on the floor trying to sort the audio out 
Meanwhile, Dan sat there perfectly silent with this gormless look on his face, just staring down the zoo. <laughs> I, was, I spoke to Dan afterwards and he's just like, he's just like going through my head. He's just like, Jed, hurry up, hurry up. And I was in my head go, Dan, just say something for God's sake. But, um, but yeah, he was, he was great value, great value. So yeah, have a, have a go back and have a listen to that listeners. Cause uh, yeah, we, we certainly enjoyed having a chat with him and you're right. He was yeah very, uh, very relaxed actually. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, right then, Murph, on to the, uh, yeah, lock the doors. Don't let anyone out. Three hours dedicated to the Dragons' win over the Ospreys coming up. This, is, this must be the first time, God, I don't know, the last time I had someone on to uh, to talk about the Dragons getting a victory because the last time I did that one on my own. So, uh, yeah, I'm very, oh, right, yeah. very excited to bore everyone with uh, with how much I enjoyed that. Um, we're also going to have a look at the, the Wales squad that Wayne Pivak announced. And we'll look back at uh, a win for Cardiff. And I'm keen to, yeah, to get your thoughts on where their season is as they sit sixth in the league now and another tough defeat for the Scarlets. So we've got loads to talk about. Where would you like to start, Murph? Uh, up to you, I suppose. I, I haven't, I've only seen the tries from Osprey's Dragons or Dragons Osprey's. So um, let's start there because I can, I can badger you for info then on that game. Oh yeah, I'll give you a, a second by second breakdown if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, no, it was, look, I, I tell you what, when they scored a try after 25 seconds or whatever it was, I thought, oh bloody hell, why do I even bother? You know, that's yeah, it was just that sinking feeling already. But it, to be fair, that was a cracking game, uh, as I thought the Cardiff game was as well. It's just, it's just so much more exciting when games aren't hugely one-sided and and even even the scarlets game you know they they didn't play particularly well and their discipline was poor but even that was you know was was entertaining so it wasn't a bad advert for this sham of a league that we're in uh, this weekend but you know massive for the dragons now actually to look at that and say out of the the home games they've played they've beaten munster they've beaten the ospreys and should have beaten uh, the sharks as well, uh, and zebra next week. So realistically, could be three. You know, could be three from four. Although, I think the last time zebra had a win, it was against the dragons. So I'm fairly certain that they'll have been eyeing this one up, and we'll uh, and yeah. we'll come to Newport. You know, with a. But uh, if, if if they do get the win, there it really does uh, isolate the scarlets down the bottom. Yeah, 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 it's been a, it's a really, really a drift from the other three regions as well as the rest of the league, you know. Yeah, it's been a really poor start to the season for them, which uh, which we'll come on to after the remaining two and a half hours that I talk about the Dragons. <laughs> um, but massive, some massive performances in there. Bradley Roberts, aka Brendan Rogers, I just thought was absolutely superb. What a great signing he's been! Just so industrious and. I, you know, I think well, I think maybe one of his one of his lineouts went awry, but his darts have been really good, and he's you know so mobile around the pitch. Grabbed a try as well. Fantastic signing, uh, Harry Keddie getting his first game of the season. He was great, uh, open side, best game I've seen Aaron Wainwright have for a while. It just saw you know that much more athletic stuff. And Moriarty will be sending out a, a big message to Wayne Pivak saying, "I can't believe you ignored me," because again, he just got through so much work and you know, well, eighty as well. Yeah. Full 80, smashed into everyone, you know, exactly what you expect from, from Moriarty. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more when we, we have a look at, at Pivak's squad. And yeah, I think the other thing with the Dragons, I, you know, I know we've had with Angus O'Brien has been, has been superb this season and Sam Davis stepped in at 15. 
And actually, it was quite interesting almost having like left and right playmakers in with him and Hanrahan. And I think that that did help to a to a certain point. So, yeah, huge, um, huge result. Really happy with that. Is, uh, um, to the untrained ear, this might just sound like an innocent question, but anyone who listens regularly would know this is a very loaded question. How did Roger Jones play? The concept? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, watching the game, I've literally only just finished watching it as well, actually. I avoided the result and watched it on delay. He, I, I saw him... I, what did he go off after about 60 minutes, 65 minutes? And I thought, oh, he's gone off. Um, I meant to make a point of of really kind of watching him and I didn't. Um, so I actually, to be honest, I probably couldn't tell you. It's the, you know, it's the, the honest answer. I could try and blag something for you, but, you know, industrious as, as everyone was. Uh, the scrum, actually, the scrum really struggled at the end of the game when we had a new front row on. And it was well, that's, a, that's it was, in itself is a compliment to him, I suppose. Yeah, and it was fine before that. So I suppose without me really taking that much attention into who was playing, who was playing loose heads, uh, it's probably a pretty, you know, a, a pretty decent endorsement because they were up against a very good Ospreys pack generally, but particularly, you know, particularly from. Well, I mean, he's scrummaging against Tom Francis for the, the first half of the game. So yeah, so yeah. yeah, although a loaded question, I should. We should really go. I should just do like a, a player watch on Rodri Jones because I know you're um, <laughs> you're fascinated with this this kind of the, the idea of what Rodri Jones is, as we all are. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously you know he's obviously got ability and got uh, qualities which make him uh, end up being elevated to where he is now. But he's not he's not on the pitch that much, mm. and so um, the controversy over leaving Reese Carey out. Gets even weirder. Um, you could argue Nicky Smith has be playing better than Reese Carey this year. You probably couldn't argue Gareth Thomas has, and you definitely can't argue that Roger Jones has been playing better than Reese Carey this year because uh, he's only played uh, fifty-six minutes today and twenty-four minutes last week. But the, the but there's uh, there's an interview going round on Welsh media where um uh, uh when Pivag is saying he just ha- hasn't hit the conditioning or or weight targets, basically on the scales. But um, well, yeah, that that seems to that seems to be the reason, doesn't it? With uh, look at you. The thing is, for, from his point of view, grenades to stop me talking about the dragons here. Sorry, mate. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll get off it again really quick. But the thing is, if he's playing really well, which he has, it might be playing as well as he ever has right now. Reese Carey, then. When you're in that situation, you don't you don't start messing around with your weight. No, because you can you can take the edge off your scrummaging. It can take the edge off your your carrying everything. Just yeah, just everything you do, it can ruin it. So um, yeah, I, I we can we'll come to the squad later anyway. So I'll, I'll leave you. Let's finish the second hour of uh, the dragons. <laughs> <laughs> we will, and of course, while we're talking about call ups, Rio Dyer on the score sheet twice, including the the crucial interception try. And really, really lively all weekend. Again, we'll, we're going to go into that in in some detail uh, when we get when we get into the second half and look at the squad. But he is a massive asset to the Dragons. Just having someone with that out and out wheels, and and people are genuinely, you know, I think all defenses are scared of him because you just that kind of pace is it is sprinter's pace. You know, we've said it about Lewis Rees Summit in the past, and it is that level of. Geez, you know, any the slightest, the slightest error in judgment, and he can stand you up and and he's and he's gone and away. Well, and this is it. It, it. You know, it wasn't just uh, the first try 
It wasn't just out and out wheels. It was actually no, it beating someone in a phone box uh, and um, knowing exactly where his limbs were to get the ball down in the corner as well as as well as the speed, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Luke Morgan, I think it I think it was Luke Morgan in in the, in yeah. that corner who he kind of outsteps, who himself is obviously a you know a another lethal finisher, sevens, sevens kind of specialist and mm. and probably, you know, probably a very similar skill set, although he's perhaps not quite as as quick as Rio is at this stage in his career. But yeah, massive, massive performance from him. So so much there to build on. Like how many times have we said like they've got to turn Rodney Parade into a difficult place to go? And to be, you know, there have been some absolute toilet performances this season away from home, mm. but at home, you can't really, you can't really fault it. They should have beaten the Sharks. And if they had three from three going into Zebra, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't fault that. So get the result next week. And you know, where, where does that leave um, a result? Where does that leave the Ospreys? Well, I mean, I, th- I think they must be really disappointed to the start of the season. You know, they, we said, we said this last week, should have beaten should have beaten uh, the Scarlets on the opening day, had that game won. Should have beaten the Lions at home, had that game won. Could have beaten the Stormers at home. You know, you can't grumble too much because it's a draw against the champions, but should have, you know, could have and perhaps should have beaten them at home. Excellent against, who was it, Glasgow? Yeah, Glasgow or Edinburgh, I can't remember. One of the Scottish sides they pumped. Yeah, Glasgow, I think. And, uh, And so, yeah, I mean, you have to look at it as a disappointing start to the season. Really, they should be looking at those games having won all of the ones they drew, possibly with the exception of the Stormers. And really, they should be looking at the Dragons going, right, we, we, sh- we should be aiming to get a result away from home here. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the kind of missteps early in the season is costing them confidence now, mm. if you know what I mean. And they could easily be above Cardiff now. You know, yeah. if things in, in another universe, in another Osprey supporters universe, they could easily be top three. Well, top mm. four. Um just those fine, fine margins in games means, they, and and if they were, I, I dare say they'd be they, they that would give them more confidence, and they'd be playing better. Um, that doesn't mean they would have won today, but just generally the the, the, the way their season is going, you know, um, it's just tiny little things like uh, the one game. I think if like I, I said on here that if Anscombe was playing that game, they would have won. Yeah, and you can't play him every game, obviously, because he's you know. Well, you can't. These people don't these days, anyway. But he's eighty twenty with the WIU, so he's got to be, have his minutes managed. But the young kid, uh, uh, Jack, Jack Walsh. Walsh, yeah, I think even Myler, if Myler was playing, they would have won that game today. Um, that, no, no, the the, the the game where they lost. I think that was the yeah uh, the lion the Lions game. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Myler would have won them that game just by yeah. being so steady. You know, no, that's not a dig at uh, Jack Walsh, but. It's just the pragmatic approach sometimes in those games probably would have seen you out. Yeah, I th- I th- it's interesting because I think Jack Walsh has been an excellent addition actually and has, because Milo has been a really good, that really good steady Eddie 10, but he's not the most creative in the world. And I think Walsh has certainly added that level. And, oh, yeah. you know, and likewise, I think you, you, you know, you have to look at perhaps the, it, it's very difficult because he saved, he saved them some blushes on the opening day of the season with that clutch kick from the touchline to get the draw against, mm. against the Scarlets. He then had a similar one against uh, against the Lions, didn't he? Which uh, which he wasn't able to slot. It was either a penalty or a conversion. But I think I think he's been an excellent addition. I think he's he's going to be a really good signing for them. The, the strange yeah, thing but, with the Ospreys at the moment he's feeling his way into it. If that makes any sense, mm. and he's probably a year away from being the uh, 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 finished article as far as uh, ten goes. Yeah, maybe, maybe. 
I, I would say the the strange thing I find with the Ospreys is with that pack, it gives you, yeah, it does. And most because they've not played badly in any of these games, really. They've just not managed to to take advantage of having a pretty dominant pack. And mm. I don't quite, I don't quite understand that. And you know, I I just don't think they score enough tries. I think when you've got a, a pack that's as as strong as that, not just in terms of names, but most of those games they've they've really you know they've they've had moments either at set piece or driving line outs or uh, or, or the breakdown where they they've been so you know so good and so powerful that it's given them a really good platform. And I just don't think they've scored enough points off the back of it. And I can't for the life of me figure out quite why that is. But mm. yeah, it was a. Uh, Another one of those today, really. Uh, to be fair to the Dragons, that this Dragons pack is probably the best I've seen for a long time, certainly on paper. And mm. when they've got the first choice pack out, I think they do. You know, they do have that physicality. And we said a few weeks ago they have that that intensity, which certainly at home, which you know has been missing for for some while. So you know, it was a big big battle up front today, and. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think in, in both both up front and and in the backs, the the dragons edged it. Yeah, so, I, I can't I can't disagree. <laughs> I've seen it. I've been watching it after after we record. So um, I look forward to it. I mean, it, yeah. it's it, it it makes from a regional rugby point of view, it makes everything more interesting. If you take out the predictable. Um, uh, no, no, well, no, no hopers, but yeah. fourth placed every year kind of situation with the Dragons, and um, it puts real pressure on um, on the Scarlets who are in a hole at the moment. So, yeah, it does absolutely. And um, I think just one last thing on that: the obviously the, the coaching change right at the start of the season with Ryan going. You know, is he gone? He's well, I don't know. He's not not bloody involved, is he? He's not. No, there. I, there's been I mean, no announcement, has there? No, I've I'd forgotten about that. I mean, I presume yeah. it's I presume it's an HR legal thing that he's either right. on, on yeah. gardening leave or you know whatever it is. Yeah, either yeah. way, either way, he's not from a rugby perspective, he's not involved. He's coaching the youth team for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know that clearly has made a, a difference. You know, I think the players want to play for for Di Flanagan, and we'd heard players come out and, and criticise the atmosphere in Dean Ryan's camp. I had a, an off-the-record chat with a, a former Dragons player who played under Ryan and just said the atmosphere in the dressing room, room is completely toxic and that was down to Ryan's doing. And that's the, you know, that's kind of what you're, that, that's what you're dealing with. And, and it can, you know, it is that bit of new manager banks that you get in, that you get in football. I just hope they're able to, I just hope they're able to build on it now because it's, yeah, it's been a tiring decade and a half of dross. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it's funny. Uh, I, I don't always think that the coach sets the tone in the change room mm. as such. That, that, that's not the coach's jurisdiction. That's down to captain and senior players. Mm. So um, it's funny. I, 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 I guess... It's, around the training camp generally is the atmosphere but it must have been getting toxic because of the coaching but change room is uh, you know it's like um, these days change rooms are like freaking nightclubs mm. it's constant <laughs> well in the championship they are anyway constant blaring music lights turned out god knows what's going on in there um but um 
It is a bit. It, I mean, obviously, any any good team, successful team, has got a, a good atmosphere in the change room. Um, but I, I always think that's player driven. Myself, I, I don't. I don't always think the coach has got any any influence on it. Yeah, that whole culture thing. I think you know it's that old expression, though, isn't it? You know, fish rots from the head down. And I think if you create an atmosphere of yeah, you know, a, a tense atmosphere and one where players are either afraid to make mistakes or afraid to talk their opinions and overcoached and things like that, then I don't know, it, it, it can have that impact. And then, like you say, once you lose the kind of the captain and the senior players, that filters through to the rest of the dressing room and you're, and you're on a hiding to nothing. But either way, I, I think, you know, I think Di Flanagan has a very different approach. And yeah, I just thought, you know... It's working, thinking, isn't it? Well, it seems to be working, yeah. So, mm. fingers crossed this carries on because, you know, it's easy to forget there were some half-decent results when Ryan started as well and we kind of sat here saying, well, it's good, you know, you've got an experience coaching, back to basics, all that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah, just hope it, it continues. And the main thing for me is you just saw the the kind of the, what's the word, the scenes on the terraces as, as Rio Dyer scores that try, you know, and the noise coming off coming off the hazel stand. That's the that's the thing that you just want more of because it's mm. a reason to cheer. And then people starting to think, do you know what? I am going to go. I haven't been down for a few years, but I'm going to go. And I just want mm. I want to be there. I don't want to miss out on it. And it just yeah. creates yeah, it creates that momentum. And to be fair to Cardiff, and and let's go on to talk about Cardiff now. Yeah. I think you know I think they've done a good job of that in recent years. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but it seems particularly with those kind of Saturday night games. Or Saturday afternoon games, the atmosphere, you know, seems to be half decent down there. I, I bemoaned it last week against against the Dragons. Um, again, that's me watching from the telly. But I think in recent years that has got better. And it seems that you know, for a game against the Stormers, the uh, the crowd were up for it. And even though it was uh, kind of pissing it down, it was a a good atmosphere, and people kind of wanted to be there. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's in that. Well, I, I can give you a bit of. Uh... Not insight. I don't know. That's the wrong word. But local my, my take on my, yeah, my my take on that is Cardiff, the city, is changing drastically. I, even people who don't live here notice. You know, mm. in the last twenty years or twenty five years, it's changing drastically all the time. Not not and not just the uh, the layout and the buildings and the skyscrapers and whatever else is happening all the time. But the population is shooting up and it's lots of people from all over the place. You know, people move here for work and people move here for university and then, then never leave. So it's become, uh, uh, Cardiff has become less Cardiff. Mm. <laughs> and, and also, I, I not you know, this is not a problem just uh, uh, in Cardiff, but every city you go to now is basically all the same chains of pubs, shops and restaurants mm. in a def- different order. There's nothing unique anymore mm. in city centres. It's just the same, you know. I, I don't want to reel off the names, but they're all there, <laughs> lined up along bloody St Mary Street or Queen Street or, or the Hayes. They're all just in the same shops. And if you go, you know, just a few miles away in Bristol, they got all the same things mm. in a different order. So character is kind of um, uh, ripped out of city centres a little bit. Uh, and I think for native Cardiffians I think they've realized one of the things you can do that is a very Cardiff thing to do still is go and have a pint in the city arms or some other old pub like you know the borough or the old arcade or whatever and then uh, wander down to the arms park stand on the terraces and abuse the ref for an mm. hour and a half that is yeah. a very Cardiff um, afternoon out on a Saturday I mean yeah. very very few 
Saturday afternoons at rugby, you know, at that level, they're all different times of day. But that is something that is uh, kind of decades old, maybe even centuries old, uh, well, across three centuries anyway, in this city. And it's one of the few things that's kind of still there. Um, you know, Indian Park's gone, you know, lots of different things have uh, changed over the years. So um, it uh, feels like um, kind of touching base a little bit if you go and do that these days because the city has changed so dramatically. I mean, even Sophia Gardens looks fancy pants now. So um, it's a fairly different place, but the Arms Park is a is a touchstone for the, the old days in a way. Brilliant. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. It's a really interesting, really interesting way of putting it. Let's uh, let's have a look at the, the on-the-field matters then because for all of the talk, you know, we've spent far too long talking about what's been going on off the field at Cardiff and all that kind of, you know, all that, Mm. The uh, the egg top. Oh look, it's worked wonders. I mean, Eggate has worked a fucking miracle for him. Yeah, they've looked they've looked so well uh, gelled and knitted together and uh, and and uh, got each other's backs since the perceived injustice of what happened that night, whatever happened. Um, that uh, you know they they got Edinburgh next week, and you wouldn't bet against them. Again, I, I rate Edinburgh. I think they're a really strong side. And uh, but if they beat Edinburgh at home next week, they go. F- well, someone's saying to me they go fifth, but actually the Bulls are not, from what I can tell from the fish list, the Bulls are not playing next week. They've got a bye week. So they actually go fourth. If they can beat Edinburgh next week, Cardiff will be up to fourth. And I mean, that's nosebleed territory for the Welsh region yeah, at the moment. So, um, How do we end up with bye weeks in a league with even number of teams? I, I I might have missed their fixture. I don't know, but oh, the, the Bulls. I, I went through them all, and I couldn't find the Bulls anywhere in next yeah. week's fixtures. So, I mean, it's the kind of it's the kind of mad thing you would expect in the uh, in the UFC anyway. But yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, that's it really. It, I, I think so much. The thing is, those two defeats out of the six were they were absolute garbage. You know, the one up in Scotland was truly yeah. awful. And particularly off the back of the win against Munster, you wouldn't have minded if they'd gone up there and lost, but it was a really awful performance. And the one against, was it the Lions, wasn't it? Uh, and the one against the Lions prior to yeah. that game was, mm. was terrible as well. But, but four wins out of six, you know, if you're just looking at it on paper, you, you, can't, argue, you can't argue with that. And no. like you say, again, another opportunity to build on it next week. And, and it was by no means, um, it was by no means a first string side last night, you know, for injuries and whatever reasons, you know, you've got... Yeah, there was plenty missing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was... uh, and, and also, you know, what, what I mean, what put me off Cardiff's chances was the team sheet. When you look at the team sheet yeah. and it goes, Kitschoff, Dweeba, Dweeba, and Malherber, and you're thinking, shit in hell. I mean, the scrum held up so well, uh, Cardiff scrum. And, uh, you know, that... Look, the Cardiff front row that was there is... Not far off, as good as any front. You know, Thomas Francis aside, not far off as good as any uh, front row in, in Wales that the Welsh mm. regions can put out. The trouble is that the Stormers front row is as good as any front row in the world. Yeah, agreed. any front row in the world, any team in the world would take those three, um, and they did nothing against them. So I, I, I was shocked by that, and that's you know that I suppose that in a way set the tone for Cardiff being able to actually win the game because if they were getting absolutely stuffed in the driven line out, if they'd been getting stuffed in the scrum as well, it would have been very little to live off. Um, and I I think it goes to show, like those those uh, two props for the Stormers, absolutely outstanding players. But if you haven't got a massive second row oh, partnership yeah. behind you, it makes no difference who you are. Exactly. They had Marvin Ori and another guy who's... Uh, 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 I don't know his name, but he's not 
not a massive guy and not massively rated scrap and row either. I can't remember. It was a Herbst. I can't remember his name. But um, that goes to show, you know, you, you, uh, you still need, even if you're, <laughs> this is the advantage that South African props have over the rest of the world is they've normally got Etzebeth and whoever else, you know. Diaga, uh, Snayman, whoever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All those players. And, uh, and they got a head start before they even packed down. So, um, yeah, it was fascinating. I, I mean, Bruce uh, Priestland just had a night of, you know, uh, probably as as good a game as he's had in his life. In terms I, gen- of the, I genuinely the outcomes think he was getting. He, that was twenty eleven form. I've yeah. not, I haven't seen him play that well since no. since, since Rugby World Cup. And ironically, the, the, the last time he played outside half, he was absolute garbage, which was the Lions at home. Yeah, uh, he was kicking ball away all over the place, and it was just going, you know. Whereas everything went completely right last night against the Lions, everything went completely wrong. And uh, when, when he got picked in the Welsh squad uh, earlier this week, I said that's a really bad decision. And then, of course, he's gone and played um, almost perfectly uh, last night. So, um, you know, I, I, get, I guess he's picked because he can cover 15 as well, which they got injuries in in the Welsh squad. So that might be another influencing factor in his selection but I, I was against I was against it as you know because if you can pick 35 year old Reese Priestland you can also pick 34 year old uh, Reese Webb uh, <laughs> it's just yeah it's, well, it's yeah. a weird it's a weird setup I think it is and we're definitely going to talk about uh, the the Wales squad I think we're going to talk a bit more about Reese Priestland and we're going to talk a bit more about Cardiff and the Scarlets uh, we'll do all of that in the second half but let's just have a quick breather and we'll be back after this very short break Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast just saying before the break there Murph I mean, you could, it was me joking about doing three hours on the Dragons. I genuinely think you could do three hours on Reese Priestland's performance on uh, <laughs> I Yeah, I was so, I was so impressed. And, and like you, I just, I took one look at that squad on the, the Pivac announced. And I just thought, this makes no sense, you know. Mm. Okay, I get that you, that you rate Priestland. We all know what a great player he's been in the past. And yes, he can cover 10 and 15. But have you even been watching him this season, Wayne Pivac? Yeah. And then he goes and pulls a performance like that out, which was, yeah, yeah. I, I thought, you know, to be honest, Preston had looked, I don't think he's had a particularly good time since going back to Cardiff. It's been a bit of a stop start. No, he's been nowhere near as, uh, until that, yesterday, he's been anywhere near as good as he was for Bath. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think he has. You know, and, um, and, and in a way, he, he started the season at 10 and played himself out of that position. And then Jared Evans came in and played himself out of that position. So that we've gone back to Preston and he's just pulled off you know that performance yesterday so um you're right though I, you know it, it, when when he's when selected um it just didn't it didn't compute I, look i suppose it's been if any of the other outside offs had been going really well mm. it would have been easier for Wayne to look elsewhere but that you know they haven't you know Jared hasn't and we know he doesn't like him anyway uh, I haven't seen too much of um, Callum Sheedy you know and then uh, there's uh, you've got the Reese Patchell problem which is a, an ongoing seasons long problem so um, yeah it, it, it was I mean I don't know what other what, what everyone's preference was instead of Reese Priestland um, I, well obviously Dan Bigger being fit would be the preference but um yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't think, you know, uh, he's been interviewed and said there's 90, 90% of what his 
World Cup squad will be. And this squad represents about ninety percent of his World Cup squad. Yeah. Well, we've been saying for ages is like you know because he's he's picked Priestland most of the squads that he's that he's yeah. that he's chosen certainly for home, games at home. And we've been saying the whole time it's like he's not going to make it to the next World Cup. Why is he picking him? Well, the World Cup the World Cup is less than a year away now, isn't it? Or it's like pretty much a year from now. So yeah, he's just got to get through this season, and there's every chance he will. So yeah. you know, to be fair, if that's if that's who he wants to to go in his squad. And he can pull out performances like he did on Saturday night, Saturday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Then, yeah. um, you know, then there's there's a lot less there's a lot less to argue with. So, yeah, it, it was good to see. Is there an argument, Murph, that to bring it back to Cardiff, that perhaps Die Young should be looking at just Priestland as a ten? I know he can fill in at fifteen, but should he just be looking at Evans and and Priestland as his tens? And they're you know and they're fighting for the jersey and what? Yeah, I suppose a bit like a bit like the nines. You know, because Lloyd Williams gets a lot of game time at nine, either off the, you know, a lot of game time at nine, a lot of game, a lot of games off the bench as well. Mm. Should should Priestland be, you know, either there on the bench coming on for Jared to close out games or starting and then Jared coming on, you know, rather yeah. than this kind of filling in both in the side? What do you reckon? Well, I think that becomes more possible now. Uh, ben Thomas is fit because he yeah. played 15 last night. Obviously, Liam Williams uh, getting yeah. injured straight as soon as he arrived makes everything more complicated for them. It possibly, you know, that might have been the plan if everyone was fit, that it would just be alternating between uh, Reese and Jared. But um, I think, they, you know, the, the previous iterations where it was Jared at 10 and Reese Police, it might have just been they were the only men standing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the preference will be when everyone's fit but you know the way things go with uh, regional size you never very rarely get everyone fit at the same time so um hard to say and i i i agree i i would i would ideally you'd leave them both as tens but um well they have you know there's not a lot of other options outside of those two or ten so um yeah that would be the ideal but whether it's possible is different kettle fish yeah no that's a fair point just and just to finish on cardiff i think you know because yeah, I've 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 laid into them a couple of times on here, and um, and as I say, really, when you look at it now, six games in, that's a that's a really strong that's a really strong start to the season, particularly yeah. if they go and build on it next week. But I think you can tell something about a side by their scramble defence. I think you can tell a lot about character of a side because it is that yeah. And there were quite a few times where the storm was made clean line breaks, and there was one in, there was one in particular where. Uh, um, I think it was Jim Botham got back to to make that cover tackle, and there was there was lots of really good scramble defence. Turnbull again putting in you know putting in shift you know and getting straight back off his feet and either slowing the ball or getting the turnover. And to be fair, I think that's something to be to be really as well as the results. It's stuff like that that you think they're re- they're really up for this because mm. your scramble defence is something that can very easily switch off um, in a side that that is just not is is really low on confidence and not up for it. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. If if you can see it in line breaks and everyone's just rolling their eyes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's that's very uh, that's very telltale. Um, what I will say before we move off of um, Cardiff is Thomas Young's unlucky, isn't he? With selection. Do you know what this is? This is the interesting one, actually, Murph, because I feel on the and, and I lo- I love him actually. I'm really excited every time I watch him. I think he's a brilliant player. However. I think when, how many sevens can you have in the squad? You're going to have Tipperick. Oh, I know. Because he's Tipperick. And then yeah. it's a question of, right, do you want Jack Morgan or do you want, or do you want Thomas Young um, and, and, or, and or Tommy Reffel? It's like, you know, 
Who do you? Yeah, who, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Not even know which which one. Yeah. Not even knowing which one I would prefer. He was there instead of. Mm. But he to me, if you play in uh, um, open rugby, you know, in a way that um, uh, Pivac wants to play, his only Tipperick is better at him than playing as a link man open rugby. Mm. Only yeah. Tipperick in, in possibly in in the British Isles, possibly in Europe. You know, I don't know how many open, there's not many open sides over the border, and you know they've got their more kind of um, Scottish open sides and more kind of uh, battering rams and, and kind of uh, they're like wild breakdown dogs, operators. Aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not silky smooth skills and outpacing. Uh, uh, Thomas Young left someone. Oh, left Bertrand yeah. in his wake in that try last week. Um, yeah, showed real pace, like you know. Um, and he's not, he's not a puppy anymore either. So I was, that was shocked me. But yeah, he, I, I, like I say, I, I'm not sure who I would, who I would uh, pull out in, for him to come in. But he, he is playing so well. And it, and it you know, just goes to show what, what the depth is like at seven again. Uh, also, um, uh, Max Llewellyn's unlucky as well, I think. I mean, yeah. I, know, I know they only pick four. Well, let's, yeah, let's pick four centres. Let's let's bring let's bring it onto the squad now, Murph, because I can hold you like a dog, like a dog on a leash, aren't you? Like, <laughs> desperate to talk about this squad. So let's um, let's move on and 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 take a look at that. I agree on on Max Llewellyn. It's a very interesting one. Um, should we just have a quick recap of the squad for anyone who may not have may not have seen it? And just for my own reference, if nothing else, who am I kidding? Um, just getting it up. Talk amongst yourselves. There's no one else to talk to, is there? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I've forgotten how to talk amongst myself. No. I know. Could, I, used be able, I used to be able to do that. Could could edit this out, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a ninety second Gatlin pause. <laughs> I know. I see, it's, yeah, exactly. I'm staring blankly at you, like Killick was staring at uh, was staring at Gatland. Right, Wales rugby squad. Well, I can tell you the centres. Yeah, I know. I, I just thought this would be a really great way to start it, Murph. And I've, in, uh, okay. take, I, I've, I've taken the wrong direction, but we are well and truly committed to it now. We're, committed, we're definitely committed, yeah. yeah. What was that? Did you want to hear the, the squad? Yeah, great. Okay, perfect. I've got it now. Yeah, tell me the squad. <laughs> right, so in the forwards, uh, the props, we have Rodri the Concept Jones, Nicky Smith, Gareth Thomas, Hooker, uh, uh, loose head props, that is, Hookers, Ryan Elias, Derry Lake and Ken Owens. Tightheads, Thomas Francis, Dylan, Dylan Lewis and um, Sam Wainwright. Uh, second rows, Adam Beard, Ben Carter, Alan Wynne-Jones, Will Rowlands. Then uh, Toby Falatau, Dan Lydiot, Josh McLeod, Jack Morgan, Tommy Reffel, Justin Tipperick and Chris Chunza uh, as the back rows. Backs, Dane Blacker, Kieran Hardy, Thomas Williams as the scrum halves. Gareth Anscombe, Sam Costello, Reese Priestland as the outside halves, Joe Hawkins, screaming Joe Hawkins, as I'm determined to call him, mm-hmm. uh, George North, Nick Tompkins, Adam, uh, Owen Watkin as the centres, then Josh Adams, Alex Cuthbert, Rio Dyer, Lee Halfpenny, and Lewis Reese Samet as the back three. Yeah, and you know, um, the issue there is um, screaming Joe. Yeah. Um, he's not played, I, I he's don't... Not played much, has he? Well, this is the issue. I, I don't disagree with uh, Steph. Steph, is, Steph Thomas has um, talked very highly of him because of the fact he could, he's more of a footballer, um, a footballer sort of a, 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 a twelve who acts more like a 
more like a 12 than a, a more like an outside half than a mm-hmm. crash ball sort of a center and also he's not a small bloke either he's got a bit of size about him too so he thinks he's uh the future going forward but he hasn't been on the pitch uh um you know and if the ospreys are not picking him um I just think someone who's clearly stepped up again from where he was before, like Max Llewellyn, it's really unlucky. I, I, you know, I like it's four games in quick succession, and uh, I just think that you know if if you're that keen on um, uh, Joe, then uh, I would have picked them both and put them in against uh, against Georgia. And then you got you know because the, the amount of time uh, actual games left now before the World Cup means yeah. if you don't if you don't get these boys have a look at these boys quick there's no time left so um, yeah I think he's a little bit unlucky he's actually you know actual playing time this year he's ahead of most of the centres not not just uh, Joe Hawkins Joe Hawkins hasn't played much football at all so yeah I thought that was a little bit I sound like I'm being pro Cardiff I'm not being pro Cardiff at all but um, these are the ones who have these are the players who have stand out stood out at Cardiff you know really stood out in their first five games until yesterday and the one who hadn't until last night Rhys Priestland is in so that that's that's where the the contradiction is for me well this is it you know I was I was all ready to to come on and pick holes in this uh, in this Pivac squad but seemingly he has some kind of clairvoyant powers now and, uh, and, and <laughs> yeah and saw uh, yeah and saw that vintage Reese Priestland so who knows what's around the corner from from screaming Joe Hawkins I agree look, I think all the attributes are there absolutely you, you know I agree with Steph's assessment of from what I've seen of him mainly playing for the under 20s you know and what a big influence he's mm-hmm. been there but you're right I would I would have loved to have seen a lot more game time from him this this season in order to, to make that judgment. Whereas Max Llewellyn, who has been, yeah, I think he's been excellent. You know, even in the games when, you know, that, that game against Glasgow, when Cardiff were really, really poor, he had, he had another excellent game. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's very, very hard to make that, that. I'm not saying that Hawkins doesn't, you know, isn't going to make that step because I think he, he might well do. But the sheer size of Max makes you think that, it's going to make that adjustment to international level a little bit easier than if you're having to, you know, to kind of do the footballing thing. Cause all the, the strength and the, and the size and the ability, I think is all there. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would have picked him personally and mm. yeah, who knows? No, no, maybe with a, a doubt over George North, I don't know whether someone will get in as, as well, um, look, there is, there is definitely a need for a football in 12. In, mm, no, in absolutely. Squad, and, you know, it's been missing for a long time. And uh, so, if it works out, then I, I gladly accept that, uh, you know, I, I, I was wrong, but uh, I just think you could have, I know they, they try not to big, pick squads that are too big, but I think you could have made room for both of them because um, it could easily end up by, I don't know, the season after the World Cup, like, you know, uh, uh, Joe Hawkins and Max Llewellyn could be your, your, your frontline centres. So, um, yeah, I, uh, and it's not look. It's not that controversial. If if Joe Hawkins turns out to be as good as everyone says, there's no controversy at all. It's yeah. just the fact that he hasn't been on the pitch. Yeah, I know? agree. He yeah. just hasn't been on the pitch. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because it's one thing that we always praise Gatland for is his ability to look at a player and know whether he's international quality, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, was going to kind of make it the top level. You know, long periods where people kind of 
calling for for Dan Evans to be you know to be in Wales squads and he consistently missed out and there's mm. nothing more he could have done. I just think Gatland just had that that view of him that he wasn't you know he wasn't going to be at the same level that those those players who he picked were and um, and so I think you know I don't know maybe that's what that that's what Pivac seen. I don't know. I, I yeah I, I'm talking myself out of this because I think but I think both <laughs> will fe- I think both will feature in the future for Wales um, mm. quite prominently. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Maxwell is unlucky and um, and yeah Joe Hawkins has bags and bags of ability and hopefully yeah I'd just like to see more of it that's all mm. yeah just you know uh, um, well you know when has he been in a regional side in the Osprey side when you thought holy shit look at him mm. I, I haven't actually seen that from Joe Hawkins for the Ospreys but as I have done that several times this season the Maxwell and that's the only point I'm making really mm. I, I don't want to um, sound like I'm his agent or anything <laughs> It just it just seems a little bit incongruous. <laughs> That's all. Uh, yeah, we better yeah. talk about the Scarlets because they're, they're they're a bit of a worry. Yeah, what's going on there, mate? I mean, look, I, it's a it's a tough place to go at the best of times. Galway, uh, mm. as usual, the the microclimate of pissing it down um, was in, in was a in gale. Full force in a gale uh, was in full force. And people still turn out to watch it. It's brilliant. I mm. think that's, that's again you clearly new surface know, as well. New surface, I think, definitely makes a difference. How playing it on mm. that um, on that artificial stuff. Uh, and the uh, other thing I heard recently, I don't know if I, maybe everyone knows this as well, but it was news to me that ground belongs to the dog track, not to the rugby club. Did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which makes sense in Ireland because it's much more popular dog, yeah. dog racing than. Oh, uh, Rugby union historically, so, um, it's, historically, it certainly was. Um, yeah. yeah, particularly in that, particularly in those parts. So yeah, look, it is a tough place to go, but oh, it's been a yeah, uh, it's been a bloody awful start to the season for for Dwayne Peel on his side, hasn't it? They've been very. It's new. worrying. It's really worrying. Look, they they still got a few weeks without their big boys, the two suspended players. Uh, three weeks on one of them, and I, I'm not sure how much Fafita Goffer is. So so they're going to be out for a while. Uh, and actually, the, the, I thought the replacements, um, Rawlins and Price, is it? I thought yeah. they went really well on the yeah. Friday night. But uh, aside from the uh, Steph Evans try and um, a couple of the decent bits, they're just, they're, you know, ev- even at their lowest, in the, like I said this before, in the lowest in the past, you could always rely on their backs to come up with something, even if yeah. they were getting no ball or, or or on the back foot all the time or whatever. There would always be some kind of spark behind. There's been so little behind. that I, I'm, And the other week when I said if they lose to Zebra, which is a stupid thing to say because Zebra don't win away, uh, it was kind of inspired by the fact that Zebra had been scoring like, 39 points and at home to Leinster and losing mm. by two points and, and, and you know, really playing some rugby. So it, it, in a way that makes them in better, in, in some regard, that makes them in better form than the Scarlets. Yeah. The Scarlets aren't playing like that. They're not, they're not scoring 40 points and, and finding a way to lose, you know, albeit, you know. Um, so I, I, that's why I asked the question, if, as it turns out, it was comfortable for the Scarlets, but if that had gone wrong, You'd have to say Dwayne Peel's under pressure, and the trouble is that they've just lost to Connaught um, away. Um, I don't know if they play him again this year because it's conferences, and you know you don't play everyone twice, do you? Yeah, don't you? Oh, you do. What do you know? Mm, not everyone. Mm, oh, I don't know. It's I too thought... big to play everyone twice. You don't. Oh yeah, okay. Well, anyway, 
But my point is, how many sides, looking at the league now, how many sides do you think the Scarlets are going to beat? You wouldn't fancy him at the Dragons away. But that no. leaves Debre away, and it leaves Connaught at home. Obviously, the derbies are always close. But as they are now, unless they make a dramatic improvement, and you, you know, in fairness, you, you, they couldn't play much worse than they are at the moment, um, you, you're struggling to see where their wins are coming from at the moment. Um, unless you know they get through this period without their two big big boys uh, and then turn it around from there, you can't really see like Benetton and they're not going to beat Benetton. So where did, you know they might be Cardiff say or they might be the Ospreys in a derby, but there's not it's difficult to envisage as things are. It's difficult to envisage where they win any games at the moment. Yeah, I mean it's a question of whether. They they've got to be targeting those home games. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? You know, like you say, when you when you go on those mini tours to South Africa, you're not expecting to get much out of it. Winning away in Ireland no. is very very hard to do. Um, and then yeah, so you, but look, you know, could they go on a bit of a, a run if they rediscover form? Could they beat Glasgow or Edinburgh at home? Yes. Um, so I, I think it's difficult I just to look at the picture list. But but right now it's it's hard to see. I I agree, it's hard to see where mm. that's coming from. You know, there's, there's very little going right at the moment. They're not playing well up front. They're not playing well behind. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's really under pressure, I think, the coach. Um, and it, it, whereas in the past, like I say, whereas in the past, they, they could always turn it on now and again, even even without any possession. They just didn't seem to have that. They don't seem to have that ability anymore. So um, I'm a little bit worried. And, and, you know, the type of people who I think could inspire it uh, are getting a bit old, mm. and the other people who I think are inspired are always injured, like Rhys Patchell. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I, 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 I must be some. There must be fans on there properly worried. Like Matthew Jones, for example, who comes on here, he must be a little bit depressed. I know. I should have messaged. I should have messaged him for this actually, because I'm sure he's yeah. got an opinion or two um, mm. around that. Because yeah, it's yeah, it's a really bad. It's a really bad start. You know, I think look, the fact that it is Dwayne Peel for for two reasons. Obviously, you know, he's a He's a, lo- a local a local hero for a start, so that's going to buy him a bit more time. But secondly, I think you know his stock when he arrived as a coach, you know, coming in from Ulster was was pretty high. Versus if he was a you know um, a John Mulverhill uh, style character who's you know coming without with an unknown foreigner, an unknown foreigner. Yeah, who yeah. was? Yeah, he was. He was the Kiwi who took over after Brad Moore. There, I can't remember his name now. Oh yeah, he was he in the back room staff, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Delaney. Um, Delaney. Delaney. That's right, Delaney. And yeah, I think that you know that buys that buys Dwayne Peel a bit more a bit more time. But yeah, they, they've got they've got to something's got to pick up because it just looks it looks really ugly at the moment. And mm. yeah, tough place to go. Blah blah blah. But they just they just need to find some wins out somewhere. And I think it's Leinster at home next week, which is the well, last. This is it. This, this is the problem. You know, they've had a kind of a yeah. fairly steady run of teams, and now they're going to go into a tougher run um, and in fairness uh, with regards to Cardiff if they win next week they could end up fourth if they don't win like I say Edinburgh a really strong side if they don't win next week they're then going on a the, the next fixture is away in South Africa for two games yeah. so we could easily it could easily go back to square one again at Cardiff no problem at all but at least you know they've got Whatever happens, you you can't take those four wins away from them this yeah. early in the season. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, just while you were, while you were talking there, Murph, uh, to clarify the point about home and away, you're absolutely right. Uh, you play all the sides in your 
you know your uh, regional pool home and away, and Oasis. then yeah. yeah, and then yeah. I mean, obviously, why? why yeah, why would you play sides home and away these days? That's uh, <laughs> big, and I know it'd be too. Well, it is. A, you know, it is a big league. Yes, I know a big, yeah, a big, yeah, yeah. confusing, inflated league. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but there we go. Uh, right, let's go back to the squad then. Um, any other omissions? I, I think Keelan Giles can feel pretty hard done by, if I'm honest. So can Ryan Combia, I think. Mm. Um, but uh, Rio Dio was probably the one who got the nod over them, and he's um, celebrated that with two tries today, and you can't argue really. Um, uh, the other two, in fairness, have been looked at in the past. They've had caps. So, um, I don't know. Has Keelan Jones yeah. got on the pitch? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been on the tour. Yeah. Yeah, I know he got parachuted. When he was, when he was, when he was still, you know, in primary school, he was touring with Wales. Yeah, but I don't know whether he got on the pitch. Oh, right. No, um, he maybe. I'm sure he's got a cap, though. Um, don't know. Maybe against Japan or something. Yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't got he hasn't got a Welsh cap actually. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so he went on a tour and he didn't play. Yeah, I know he uh, went on one tour. Yeah. Yeah, he did, and then he played. He was on the bench against Japan. Do you remember that awful game in 2016? I think Sam Davis either won it or drew it with a last minute drop goal. It was a bloody horrible game, rugby. But G- right. G- Giles was an unused replacement on the bench there, which is a bit of a rarity in uh, in this day and age. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I. I Thing is, obviously, you know, particularly after today, I'm a massive fan of Rio Dyer and he's a hugely exciting player. I would argue that Keelan Giles is the more complete, the more complete player right now. Well, you say that, but like a lot, a lot these days, it's not just you know um, uh, finishing ability and defence. Mm. It, it, uh, under the high ball, especially yeah. under attacking high balls, when when you're kicking to compete. Rio is a really strong operator there, and um, yes. Keelan's got. Uh, a bit Obviously, of a, he's a lot shorter as well, isn't he, Keelan Giles? Yeah, so. and he's got a bit of an error in him as well defensively. I think on the mm. high balls, uh, that might be just my feeling, my be complete shite. But um, yeah, I, I personally, I, you know, it, I I would have gone um, Ryan Combia myself. I Who think did? he's been, yeah. yeah, I think he's been um, a real handful in, you know beating people in narrow spaces and um, creating problems every time he's got the ball. I think he's one of the few bright spots for the Scarlets. But uh, again, he's been looked at before. Uh, Tom Rogers injured, but I, I would I would have... I mean, they picked Alice Cuthbert injured. I would have gone Tom Rogers injured. Uh, depends how long he's out for, obviously. But... Um, yeah, well, there's more injury worries as well now off the back of off the back of the weekend. Uh, yeah. Dowry Lake and uh, and George North. Um, am I missing someone else? I know Halaholo went off injured, but obviously wasn't in the squad anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a few yeah, a few potential headaches there. Um, that would be particularly gutting for North because he was really really good today. Not just um, not just in attack, but there was some brilliant defensive work. What injury was it? Uh, good. Don't question. tell me it was his knee because I'm not interested. Um, do you know what? Because I was watching the game um, in such a hurry to get through it, I don't know. I'll have to have a look for you. God, this they is don't, they don't they don't say anything until the day after anyway, do they? Yeah, live assessed. This is just yeah. This is complete. This is about as professional as this podcast gets, isn't it? Me furiously having a having a look on uh, on BBC News to see. So Dowie Lake, I know, went off. Looked like a kind of shouldery um, type injury to knock early early doors and went off with his arm in a sling. Um, and then George North. 
well, people can look it up. They don't need me to. They don't need me to tell them this, do they? Um, <laughs> but who would you see? Um, who would you see kind of going into those um, going into those squads? What do you reckon? You know, like if you're going to have to call players up, um, I would argue that Bradley Roberts did a pretty good audition today and the previous five weeks to be the the hooker replacement. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in fact, I'd say he was on his own. Uh, if you were looking for any hooker that no one else has um, stood out as anywhere anything like us, but there's been competent performances, but no one stood out like uh, Bradley Roberts have. Mm-hmm. And he's got a sick South African accent. I've just discovered today. Yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't know that at all. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, um, he probably, Ken Owens has been brought back in, haven't he? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise Bradley Roberts, you know, if Ken was still injured, Bradley Roberts would be in. Uh, we can't really argue with that. I don't think too much. No. Ken Owen. Um, and in the centre, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe maybe it's Max Llewellyn, look, you know. Maybe. Yeah, but, you, uh, you know, there's the issue where um, Max is normally playing 12. He has played 13, I he think. He played 13. But, uh, or, did he not play 13? I think he started 13 and then moved oh, in. Oh, yeah. So he, he's obviously, you know, he's ambidextrous as far as playing centre goes, but... Um, yeah, it would be a big blow, I think, losing George. I think he's I think he's a really solid presence now for Wales and for um, Ospreys. Well, the bad news is it is a knee injury. And uh, so that's not so... uh, that's not something that we're uh, that, that you that you want to see. Um no. Yeah. So uh, yeah, not um not ideal. Um but yeah. Well um we'll see, man. Um Hopefully, hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be all right. Um, I think I think Toby Booth again, just judging by the uh, by the news reports, seemed to be kind of fairly cautious, yeah, cautiously optimistic. So, um, yeah, in an ideal world, he'd be fit because again, it's just it, as much as anything, it's that experience. Like who? There's no yeah. other centre you could call upon who's got that level of experience, is there? I don't think. Other, you know, uh-huh. unless you're going to go for Scott Williams or someone, but he's you know barely yeah. playing out. Or and Jonathan John Davis, Davis. Is, you know, I think both of those are, have have been discarded by um, by Pivac, I would say. Yeah, and and I don't entirely disagree with him on a, a, a rare occasion. I don't yeah. dis- disagree there because age is just catching up with them, and that's yeah, you know, happens, to the, happens to the absolute best players. You know, it's just a fact of life. Um, yeah, George North, with his history, any slight twinge in his knee, you're going to bring him off. Mm. Yeah, maybe because, that's it. you know the the amount of surgery and time out he's had with his knee. So. Um, Hopefully that's all it is is a twinge. Yeah, and because there's a couple, obviously there's a couple of other players as you mentioned in the squad who are carrying knocks. You know, Toby's got a calf, a calf strain. Josh Adams a wrist injury, and who have I missed? Like you said, Cuthbert as well. Cuthbert, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, and there's, yeah. it's not as bad as last year when you picked people who hadn't played all year. Yeah, that because is because they were injured. Yeah, including Toby who hadn't even trained. I don't think. Um, yeah, which is which is yeah. completely bizarre. Um, but just on that number eight point, I know this is a kind of this is a bit of a go-to for us, isn't it? Is talking about the lack of depth at number eight. That makes mm-hmm. the back row uh, the back row selections a little bit more puzzling for me. I don't see why you wouldn't have more. I, I, I you know I, I really hope Josh McLeod gets his gets his cap because God knows he's been he's been unlucky enough. And I know you, you don't need him to play seven because there's enough sevens in the squad. Yes, he can do six and eight. But so can Moriarty, and he's got much more experience, and he's been playing well this season. So I found that one a bit of a puzzler. Um, yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah. And, and and 
Moriarty uh, backed that up today as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, look, uh, he's got away with Reese Priestland. Let's just say that he's got away with Reese Priestland. And Rio Dyer based on today's performances. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I was, you know, I wasn't against. Rio as such, but uh, it does puzzle, like I say, it does puzzle me Reese Pleasing because he's 36 next World Cup. And if you can pick Reese Pleasing, you can pick Reese Webb. Yeah, absolutely. Right. A couple of quick listeners' questions to finish, Murph. Uh, Barry the Puppy, are you guys excited to see Lewis Reese Sammet at fullback, which is something that has been mooted, um, particularly given no. the fact that no one's no one's fit? You're not. No, I want him on the wing. I don't want to see him a fullback. I think you I think you bury him in work yeah. if he's full back covering in the backfield all the time I know obviously wingers do their share of that as well uh, the pendulum nonsense you know what I mean but uh, no I, I'd rather he stayed on his wing fair enough well, that's a really that's a really simple answer there you go bang done <laughs> um, I think uh, I think we've we've covered this one from Richard Idris Jones uh, with Zebra next week is this a great opportunity for the Dragons to make it two in a row and three home wins this season Um <laughs> also a great win for Cardiff against the Stormers. Perhaps West isn't always best. I steer clear of anything parochial when it comes to uh, when it comes yeah, to this podcast. Especially with our accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and but what I will say is this this quick question in from Peter Davis, who's a, a Scarlet's fan. Are the Dragons now officially the best region in Wales? I think we can all agree they are. So there, that's settled. Yeah, I won't argue. I won't argue. <laughs> uh, I'm joking, I'm joking, of course. But um look. Big, um, yeah, big opportunity next week for the for the size based in East Wales, as we've said. So uh, we'll be back to review that um, and uh, plenty more as well. Murph, thank you as always for the uh, welcome uh, for your company on a Sunday evening. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. If you haven't listened to the Warren Gatland interview, please go back and do so. Likewise, if you haven't listened to the one with Scott Otten, uh, go back and have a little listen to that too uh, and of course a big thanks to Scott for A coming on and B also for sponsoring us for the last few years with his company So Coffee Trades if you want to get some great coffee uh, you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk right we'll be back next week thank you for listening Podcast Network.